It's Thursday night. You know what that means. The Comics Pals are live for Pals Pulls. I am your host, Sean. Happy to be back. I am joined by Kale. What's up, hot dog? And Tyler. Thank God you're back, Sean. (laughs) (laughs) Why? Why do you say that? Uh, Just thank God you're back. Marco is unruly. That's why. (laughs) <laughs> the kids were misbehaving i i, I playing think. guitar on the on the show like, oh i oh. like that part i like that part actually i think we should keep yeah that. We'll, we'll 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 discuss that at length on another day um <laughs> boy i have had quite an experience uh let's just say i'm really happy to be here i'm really happy to have a microphone in front of me and i'm happy to be able to talk some comics which we are about to do imminently we're going to be talking about wonder woman number one hotly anticipated uh we've got green lantern war journal number one another hotly anticipated book uh finally getting the john stewart stuff in its own series we've got titans number three the titans are back after a little bit of a night terror and uh, we're gonna see what's going on with their exploits we've got rare flavors a new rom v number one maybe the first like non big two Rom V number one that we've done on this show. You guys uh, didn't do like uh, uh, the Savage Layla Sword. Star? Oh, we might have done that. Yeah. Oh yeah, you guys are big on Layla, Layla Star. Yeah. Yeah. Captain America number one, the return of JMS, and Uncanny Spider Man number one. Y'all did us dirty. Hellcrawler pick of the week. Is it, did they go by Hellcrawler? Is that the nickname they gave him in the book? We'll get to it. Yeah. Oh, we'll get to it. All right. Let's get to Wonder Woman number one. For those of you who care about these sorts of things, this is legacy number 801. So congratulations to Wonder Woman for that. This is by Tom King, of course, who has been touting this Wonder Woman series for a long time. He is joined by I think it's fair to say superstar artist Daniel Samper with colors by Tamun Moray, letters by Clayton Cowell. So they assembled the squad for this $4.99 installment, the first chapter of Wonder Woman's new series. And uh, let's just say it takes about half the book to see the titular character. Let's start with that. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you had a problem with that. Um, I I had I had some problems with this issue, okay. Tyler. Yes, I did. I enjoyed I this did. issue. I, I've I've come to learn with Tom King. I mean, I'm re- I'm reading a uh, a uh, uh, what is it? What is it? Danger Street right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The guy needs to simmer a bit with his his work. He's in he's in his era of he's in his simmer era where he knows he's got name recognition, so his pacing is very deliberate and. You kind of got to stick with, I mean, like Danger Street, it, didn't t- it took me like six issues to start being like, all right, I think I understand what's going on now. Um, I, I don't think he can do that with Wonder Woman, but I, I'm allowing him, to, I, I will allow him six, seven pages before he gets to the point. Or like 18. I don't know. It depends on what point I woke up in the middle of this, but yeah. And then uh, I, I actually quite liked the hesitation on Wonder Woman. What I wasn't crazy about 
was the war and peace captions and dialogue on absolutely every single page. This, we'll get to it. I cannot believe Cy Spurrier was not the wordiest writer <laughs> I read this week. Oh, you're right about that. Like I read, I read Nightcrawler, and I went. Actually, this wasn't that bad. I I have a process by which I like to read my weekly books, and I generally like to save the biggest book for last. So I saved Wonder Woman for last because I thought, you know, okay, it's the biggest book, be the freshest for the show too. Yeah, I started with Uncanny Spider Man just so that's how my that's that's yeah. I started from my least exciting to my most yeah. exciting. Yeah. And when I turn to this page right oh, here that I'm yeah. holding up, it did it for me too. The, the, spawn the nine page. panel grid <laughs> with, I mean, this, yeah, the spawn page with all the news <laughs> reporters talking about and progressing us through the idea of these murders that happened that were apparently committed by an Amazonian and everything that's progressing. And it's like, on one hand, I thought it was a little bit clever to like get through the get th past the time mm -hmm. by doing it that way. But on the other hand, we've seen this, you know, nine panel grid of news reporters a lot of times. Yeah. And it's just it's just tough. It's tough with the with then with the with the the insane amount of, you know, caption boxes whoever whoever that is we don't know who that is i thought and we, i gotta tell you who is that do we know is it that is it not the guy at the very end the sovereign spoiler no i don't think no so. i i didn't get that impression at all okay um i i gotta tell you i'm i'm about done with caption boxes who i <laughs> who i don't know who the person is that is a shtick it's too much. It's yeah. it's done way too often in comics. It's a modern um, comics crutch slash gimmick. Yeah. Well, yeah. Do you remember? Do you remember the age when Jeff Johns would like, and and I associate it with his writing. Not that this was necessarily his choice, but you could tell who was talking by the color of their. Yeah. Um. You know, like in Teen Titans, you know, it would go to each character, and you could tell who they were because. They had, uh, you know, a color-coded uh, caption box. Where did that go? I, I I don't know that they want us to know who the who the narrator is all the time. I think there is a deliberate obscurity to it. Um, whoever it was, the 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 writing was just way too flowery for me, and it just felt especially during the wonder woman piece when she finally jumps into the fray um which i did like i thought that was a good sequence overall i just couldn't handle the the language i'm sorry like i if this is supposed to be the sovereign why is he speaking this way about wonder woman and then coming off the penguin which had the Batman narration where he was talking about the penguin. Yeah, yeah. Like he was some big time gangster. It always reads like it's this weird way too flowery prose for, for the character that it just doesn't fit. doesn't fit. I, I read it as the sovereign talking uh, because of the way the, 
the caption boxes were were blue and red, and it matched his color scheme when we actually see him. Um, talking about himself in this real flowery way because it, it is it is the I think Tom King described it. He's the opposite of Wonder Woman. He's a uh, a selfish old white dude, you know, uh, who is the king of America, and I. I read that as the sovereign going in, and it, it, it was flowery and it was overwrought a bit, um, but I enjoy this different take on a Wonder Woman book. I can't say it's a different take on Wonder Woman. I think it's a different take on the Wonder Woman book, uh, especially in recent times, because it's always been, oh, all right, it's this is a friggin' you know a mythological warrior princess book, where this one almost feels like it's. A weird Mission Impossible type, almost back to like the '80s roots of Wonder Woman's espionage era when she just wore clothing. Yeah. Um, so I'm digging that in terms of tone and feeling and potential for where things are going. Um, but it's it's a lot. This issue, <laughs> this issue is like like chewing on a chewy steak. Like yeah, I'm still eating steak. It's great, but man, this one's a little chewy. <laughs> When I think, I think the fact that this is supposed to be ongoing, right? Like, it's like you are, boy, you are putting a lot out there. You know, if this were, you know, I, I assume at some point this will end, right? But like, you know, this isn't one of his strange adventures, you know, 12 yeah. issue runs or whatever. It's not a mini. Um, so, like, my man. Thin it out, <laughs> like say, so, get an editor in there and just comb that shit out. Like, leave us with something. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I agree, Tyler. That overall, I enjoyed the package, but I, I really, you know, I think Tom King is 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 a tremendously talented writer. The last few outings, I just feel that you know. Um, it's been a bit too much, and um, I'm I'm not that interested in the Amazonians. So the 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 idea that we're just now swept into this this war between you know America and the Amazons. Um, okay, I kind of wish it would have maybe built Man. so I could care about these people. If that were um, real life, the- I'd be enlisting right now. I'll tell you what. All right. Um, you would enlist to kill them, to fight and kill them? No, just be killed by them. All right. Um, see, this is the kind of thing we got to talk about. Uh, I, I just, I don't know. This is one of those where I might be on here loving it in a few issues, but right yeah. now, I only like it. Yeah, Roboters in the in the chat says that. Apparently, King said that issue one is going to be a lot to take in, but issue two will be easier okay yeah i mean he's lucky he's he's lucky he can do that (laughs) i just don't think like i don't think everything needs to have like some mystery to be solved later and this character's talking to someone from the past or you know or someone in the future like it's just like can we just tell like a really good strong present tense story with characters that we care about and are into is that dead? Well, and it's like it's like, you know, this would be fine if it were Tom King doing it, you know, all the time. 
if that were his shtick. Yeah. But it's that we've seen less uh what's the polite way to say this? Less uh uh uh, uh less talented writers do it and it's a lot worse. And in general, I just think it's a trope that's that's overused at this point. Like, I don't care yeah. how good they are. Like, it's enough. I've, I see it all the time. Like, I've read every Scott Snyder number one. Like, I know the drill. I've seen this. Yeah, well, that, and that's what I'm saying. Like, people who aren't as good at it as Tom King are doing it, and it's getting done a lot right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. We got a question from MP. Uh, how do we find the socio-political commentary? Um, you know, okay, sure. I guess. Like, I... I, I go ahead. I found it a little ironic uh, coming from a full guy creative team. <laughs> you know, like... I don't know. We'll, we'll see what, it, what it's going to be because I, I don't know where, where, where King's going with this. Is he going to go into uh, sociopolitical commentary on the idea of uh, xenophobia or is it going to be more about, uh, I guess, gender relationship, like relations or both? Um, we'll see. I I don't know. It seems very straightforward and not like in a good way either it's just like all right this is, this is the basic basic stance on this that i'm going to take yeah a, a harmless I, I, stance on this this issue was pretty firmly in the gender realm i think yeah and um i don't know like i, I i'm dying for him to say something compelling for sure and i'm on the hook to see that happen but I have a problem where, like, okay, so every man in the book, the guy they interview is, you know, hates women. This guy that's the mercenary guy hates women. Everyone says the exact thing that reaffirms the overall point when not that's, – that's not how the world is. Um, so I want to see a nuanced point. I don't want to see everybody – who's bad also just hates women and says bitch and calls women that like, let's, let's find some, some, some let's get some, let's get underneath that. Um, this will grate on me fast. I think that's why Steve Trevor's in the book, right? Like Steve Trevor's got to be the quote unquote, good guy TM uh, to be the foil to all this. Um, yeah. I don't know. I think that's a touchy subject and I hope that, Tom is able to handle it with grace. Um, I think it's nice to see in a Wonder Woman book because most of the time it's like, all right, it's the most prominent female superhero of all time. Um, and all she really gets to do is, you know, fight a Minotaur occasionally, you know, like, so it's cool seeing that be tackled a little more head on. Uh, is Tom King the right person for it? I don't know. We'll see. The art's insanely good. Yeah. Daniel yeah. Semper is yep. earning every dollar that he is making, which I hope is a lot of dollars. DC, you better come correct from a man. Um, this is stellar. If you if you have ever seen Daniel's art before, 
uh, talking about like Dark Crisis, which also I thought yep. looked phenomenal. Best part of um, it. Yeah, for sure. This is as good as anything he's done before, if not better in some spots. And the sequence where we see Wonder Woman for the first time, I thought that was just, that's like great classic Wonder Woman stuff. This is the kind of stuff, I mean, this page right here that I'm holding up where she is in all her defiance, in all her grace and beauty, uh, just saying no. Um, it, it's a it's a beautiful shot, and she kicks major ass. This I, is great. I like the buildup to it, too, in the art and in, in the story. Like, I know you talked about the buildup, but I'm talking about that, that specific scene where you only see people talking to her, and then you see her a little bit through binoculars, and then you see, like, shadow of her, and then it's bam that big splash page. So there's a bit yeah. of a build up to it that I that I enjoyed. Yeah. Really well done. Uh, um the, go ahead. just quickly, the one thing about the art that really sort of bugged me uh were actually the sound effects. Hmm. Especially in and maybe it's just because I'm looking at them right now, but the in the Wonder Woman fight, you know, the great big red cartoonish letters. Yeah. It like normally I like that, but this didn't feel like it matched the mood. Mm-hmm. Um so I uh, yeah, that that uh that that bugged me. I can definitely understand what you're saying. It is a bit of a uh it would make sense in a different Wonder Woman comic, but tonally yeah. it's kinda off. I I, I do agree. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say pull. I obviously had some criticisms, but I think you know when Tom King's dialogue is on, it is on, and it's great. Um, the art is absolutely fantastic, and Tom King is a writer, regardless of what you think of this initial issue, who, in my opinion, always deserves some rope. Um, and so I'm 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 looking forward to the rest. Yeah, like Human Target. I don't think we were jazzed right from the get were we possibly uh yeah human target target, if i recall was pretty hot pretty quick mostly because of the greg smallwood art strange adventures though was definitely took me eight issues or nine to to get invested rorschach too i wasn't really sure what rorschach was until i love rorschach rorschach under underappreciated book yeah i'm I'm still not sure it should exist but it's really good what about this how do you feel about this existing not my pick of the week, but I did enjoy it. Um, I'm. This feels like, especially with the Sampera art, like nothing against Tom King, but the Sampera art makes it feel like an event comic, like like not, you know, big crossover event, but like, uh, like required reading on a month to month basis. Um, it's yeah. th- this is just like a tier creative team. Like if DC still had booths at New York Comic Con, there would there would be a giant piece of artwork of this somewhere um i'm in it i'm in, in it for uh not in the long run yet but we'll see it's it's skewing that direction though got it thank you oh kale did you did you give yeah, your uh, pull. easy right. pull yeah thank you all for joining us uh i am very very happy to see everybody that is in the chat all the regulars it's good to see you guys Thank you for the welcome backs. I feel like we just did this welcome back Sean thing, but we're doing it again because my life is crazy. 
You know what else is crazy? Crazy good is our Patreon. Patreon.com slash the comics pals, where you can support your boys, get a lot of bang for your buck. We've got a whole host of content on there. Just because I haven't been here doesn't mean we haven't been serving on the Patreon because the rest of these guys have been doing a tremendous job. So we've got our newsletter still out there uh, once a week from one of us. Uh, the latest episode of Palling Around just dropped. We talked about our experience with Comicsgate um, and uh, what an experience that was. So if you want to hear our our inner circle thoughts about that, you can head on over to our Patreon page and uh, join us there. Listen to that. Got a lot of other great stuff going on over there, too. If you want to watch this show live on YouTube, you can do that every single Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern. Saturdays at 10, 15 a.m. Eastern for the main show. We're going to be having a couple of guests on the main show this week. Uh, joining us are going to be the Bardic Versus creators, uh, Matt Sumo and Phil Pete. Sorry, Pete Collins. I know Pete you Collins. want to say Phil Pete, Collins. Phil, yeah, I, Phil and I, Pete. I, th I think Phil it all the Pete. time. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I I get that wrong in my mind when I think about him <laughs> constantly. So sorry about that. I know he's a listener. Um, but we're gonna have them both on. We're going to talk about everything that's been going on with the X-Men because there's a whole lot of X-Men news going. So uh, tune in for that. It's going to be a good time. And uh, those and are just good guys, too. Like, yeah. show up yeah. for them, too. Like, they, it'll be a good show. Yeah. Uh, I haven't done much of this podcasting thing recently, so I'm shot out of a cannon and very excited to get on the main show this week. So you don't want to miss out on that. Oof. Um, How big is the soapbox going to be? We have guests. It can't be so big. No. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. <laughs> be their live is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. 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 Absolutely. We're also gonna make uh we're gonna make an announcement about the book club on Saturday. So come for that as well. Lots of fun stuff. Let's talk about Green Lantern War Journal. Number one. This is, I've been looking forward to this book very much, probably more than anything else that uh, that dropped this week, because it's John Stewart, written by Philip Kennedy Johnson, who's already been doing a bang up job in the backups for Green Lantern, uh, with art by Montos, colors by Adriano Lucas, letters by Dave Sharp, so another great DC creative team. They assembled for $3.99, just so you know. Hmm. Now, Jon Stewart is a character that is beloved. I uphold that. But Jon Stewart is not beloved because of the comics. Jon Stewart is beloved because of the animated series, the Justice League series, where he is the Green Lantern. So... A lot of people don't really know much about Jon Stewart's life other than the things that we know very obvious, right? He's a Green Lantern, he's a black dude, and he's an architect. That's what we know. This book is diving deep into who he is, who's in his life, what makes him tick. And I love it. I love it. This was hot. Yeah. Um, I wasn't sold on this by the um, the backups, um, but because I sort of felt like it was just bits of vague prologue, 
Uh, but even just the opening of this was hot fire. Yeah, I wasn't sold on the 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 backups and the main Green Lantern mostly because they're they were backups and I sometimes have issues with the the idea of backups. Uh, but yeah, I, I this is my pick of the week easily. Yeah, say it might be mine. It yeah, be I think mine. it's mine too. Um, it, it um, go ahead. It gave John some humanity back. Like John Stewart's just been stuck in space for so long in the comics. Mm. Yeah. Like he's just like he's like the hard ass Green Lantern who doesn't who has to, you know, ground Hal when Hal, you know, gets a little too uh, uh, mavericky um, or the one that, you know, joins the Justice League because Hal's not available. <laughs> um, he's always the backup. So having him, you know, we, we see his family here. We get a little more um, of John as the person um, and having him on earth it's almost like the opposite of how like i want hal in space hal's boring to me on earth um i don't see it often with with john so that him being grounded here and also like not having a ring but sort of and there's a bit of a mystery there uh i enjoy that a lot and i think the 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 Mon- montos montos just montos right as far as i know think the, so. the, the yeah. oprah of it's always credited. Art, um is insane uh, it is buck wild the way the art looks uh almost it almost has a weird horror aspect to it um, which is yeah. what I wasn't expecting. So um, I, I enjoyed this a lot. I, I thought that the so the Montos art for me worked really well in the opening sequence yep. where it is more of a sort of a horror scene, um, which I thought was really cool. I was invested early because of that sequence. Yeah. Um, and I, I had to put the issue down so I could get on the discord to say how cool that opening sequence was. <laughs> But I got to tell you, um, once we got grounded and we started to see, well, not necessarily grounded, but like some of the stuff with Jon Stewart, um, you know, and his regular pedestrian life, I actually thought the art dropped down in quality um, and it, it started to look lifeless to me. Like I didn't see the soul in Jon Stewart's face. Um, he just looked like even even when he's Green Lanterning right here, he just, do- just doesn't look like there's anything going on. In his eyes, you know, um, no face, no, no specific facial expression. Well, and and I think that it seems like Montos really draws like aliens and and horror stuff really well. But it seems like his his character work and 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 his facial human stuff is a little. It, it could maybe use a little polishing yeah it's not it doesn't it doesn't feel consistent all the time like uh on the pages where he's uh you know he's fixing the sink and we're getting used to his uh you know his um uh his grandmother or his mother or whatever um i feel like her her faces are mostly really good and in that moment you know everything feels really uh consistent and everything but um even a little bit later they they really falter yeah i i unfortunately do agree i get the vibe based on this issue that we're going to see a mixture of the the more horror space stuff and the grounded stuff 
And I suspect they got Montos because of how well he could handle the space aspect, which is probably where, where the bombast and the action adventure stuff is going to happen. So if that's the case, I can handle not necessarily loving the, you know, the more base level stuff. Um, Comic Boom said uh, the only wonky part was John constructing a fake granddaughter for his mom. That is his mom. His mom's old. And she's yeah. clearly dealing with dementia, and she doesn't realize that her daughter is long gone. Yeah, that's that's what I got out of it. Um, yeah, which that for me was super sad. Um, I thought that, that was an, a really gr- good thing to add in on uh, Philip Kennedy Johnson's part. It it explains why John is staying home, or at least a yeah. part of the reason why he's staying home. Gives yeah. him a good reason to be there, and also some immediate family like drama and something to latch on to. Yep. I think, I think that moment too is actually now that I'm thinking about it is actually really um, well crafted by uh, last, I think it was last week's uh, green lantern. Number three. Um, that was last week. Yeah. The Hal book where, uh, you know, Hal doesn't have a ring either. And he, uh, he does some testing with his ring uh, where he makes uh, an antelope or whatever. And he's worried that, you know, uh, a, it'll only project green and he's able to make it into, you know, the correct color or whatever. Um, so I, it seems like Hal and John, even though they're on separate titles and they have very separate things going on, they're on a, a on the same path. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really clever. Yeah, I think that's an it's an old Green Lantern trope, um, like Silver Age, because that was before it was like before the Green Lantern core was a thing. I think it was the fact that it was it, it was known as hard light um, energy and changing light rays can change colors like the way your eyes view light. Yeah, yeah, sure. So, and I think yeah. I think Adams brings that up. Uh, which, which I like, like bringing in some old Silver Age stuff. Yeah, I, my point is that there's some, you know, there's some parallels mm. right now that are actively yeah. happening. Yeah, um, and that's cool, and that's I think that's good. Yeah, synergy both... makes money. Yeah. Um, this is a great book. If it wasn't on your radar, which I suspect that it might not be for some people, you should buy it. Yeah. I think this is one of the books this week that will surprise you if you weren't planning on picking it up. I think that there are some deep themes that don't necessarily go too far yet, like the stuff with his mother mm-hmm. um, and him feeling having to feel like a caretaker of his home and not necessarily being able to go out and do the things that he's capable of. Um, I think that those are themes that are going to be running throughout that you'll probably find yourself in to some degree. Um, a lot of people have dealt with their parents having dementia or having, you know, things and them aging and those problems. I think you'll find yourself here. Um, and if that's not enough, there's great space horror stuff going on. I think this, I don't even know if this was sold like that, but boy, oh boy, is it present. Pick of the week. This is a great book. Go pick it up. The uh, I just looked into Montos because I was curious. I'm like, I've never heard of this guy. Um, he did two issues of Black Adam last year. Uh, and some heavy metal like and that's it which is wild wow. this is like the first heavy metal real magazine uh heavy metal magazine yeah oh wow yeah. cool 
and then like some some like entropy, which I guess was like a heavy metal comic or something, but not much. So it was impressive. Good for him. Uh, yeah, pick of the week. Um, I think this more so than what Jeremy Adams is doing. A lot of people are saying that feels like a return to Jeff Johns Green Lantern. This to me felt more like that. Um, so that's for me. That's a, a massive stamp of approval. Great comics. Mm-hmm. Great comics. Let's hear what the panel thinks about the return of Titans. We finally got Teen Titans, or excuse me, not Teen, uh, Titans number three, written by Tom Taylor with art by Nicholas Scott, colors by Annette Kwok, letters by Wes Abbott, and uh, they're dealing with cults. Now, I've only read two Titans comics in my life. One was the Judas Contract, which I was gifted by Atomic Hound, a wonderful person and listener. And this, the new, this Titans run now. And in both of them, they're in the exact same conflict. But there's a twist. I've really enjoyed this issue. I I didn't hate it. All right, I'll I'll go the full opposite direction. I didn't like it. Okay. All right. Let me speak my piece. Yeah. Let's go positive. And you guys can go off. So, as a person who has no experience with what has happened to the Titans in the intervening years between what I've read, outside of, like, you know, just piecing it together, um, I like the fact that it's so familiar. When they were saving the world, running around, dealing with, like, natural disasters or whatever, I didn't care about that. This feels familiar. It's interesting. It's a bit of a twist. Obviously, we know Brother Blood, whatever he's going by, is... Brother yeah, Brother Eternity. Eternity. Yeah. We know he's BSing. We know it's a trap for the Titans. I love that. That's so fun. And they can't just they they can't just like outright get him because they have to give him the benefit of the doubt. They're heroes. So I appreciate the tension there. And then also the mention of some kind of Trigon cult. I've never seen Trigon before. I never watched the show, the the Titans show. I never I don't know. I don't even know what he looks like. If you put a gun to my head right now, I couldn't tell you what he looks like. So my biggest hope is that this tease is actually leading to Trigon, which if it does, would be very, very cool. So I'm hyped for that. I will give you that. If we see Trigon right now, I would also be very hyped. I'll never say no to Trigon. That guy is just cool as hell. Yeah. Um, is it perfect? No, I I don't still care about the Flash thing. For some reason, it bothers me <laughs> that there's, a, again, a future mystery. Like, I don't care. Can we just focus on what's happening right now? Yeah. yeah. Um, and the Nicholas Scott art at times was a little bit stiff, I felt. that The art, I think, was my biggest problem. Um, it just didn't... I don't like... I don't think I like Nicholas Scott, actually. Um, oh, I I just I feel like her her figures and her her faces are all weird. I I had an issue with the art too. Um, uh, like it is on paper, great art. Figure work is great. Yeah. Uh, yes. Everything looks good. 
but it looks like somebody set up their action figures and just took a picture. Yo, yeah, I had that same thought. Where it's it yeah. doesn't there's no like if we talk talk about Bruno Redondo on uh, Nightwing, like there's some dy- dynamism there. There there's you can yeah. you can feel the movement. This just feels like a series of snapshots, although very well done, almost overly composed in a way. Yeah. Where it doesn't feel natural. Yeah. Um but it's like literally it's it's still good art. It it's it's a weird it's almost like an uncanny valley situation where it's like I recognize yeah. how it's good. Um and I recognize yeah, why Nicola Scott is who she is. She is her. Um but it just feels stiff. Yeah, the, yeah. yeah, it's it's it, it it's off for me. And I think it it that pairs with the story for me as well. Like in a weird way, it's a match. It's a perfect match because I feel the story is stiff and small. And I know these these just <laughs> sorry. I wouldn't have caught that if Kale didn't make that that face. Um, and C W Gordon says enjoying it, but it feels kind of small. Like yeah, I don't like if they're supposed to be the Justice League, they're not doing much. <laughs> Um, and everyone seems to be on the same page. Like, I don't know where the drama is. Um, the only one who's not on the same page is Wally, but then they just give way to let him do whatever he wants. Um, well, Tempest, right? Isn't that his name? Nobody yeah. cares about Tempest. I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> Me neither, but yeah, I know Tempest. that. I know that. And I think that, for me, that's what makes him interesting, is that he's clearly the other guy. And everybody's tired of it. And so in some way, he's trying to get his piece of the pie through Brother Eternity, which is ludicrous. But then also there's this weird thing that happens at the end of the book that turns it on. Its, I don't know, man. I don't know. Maybe I'm just happy to be here, but I'm getting something out of this. It, it's nice to see a DC superhero team. I will say that. But yeah. like I like what, what Tom, Tom Taylor's doing and like all of his other team books. Like freaking Dark Knights of Steel was fantastic. But that was it was a huge story. With some great, you know, like even DC versus uh, uh, was was it um, DC deceased? That's the one. I was gonna say DC versus zombies. Uh, another great ensemble piece. Um, but this one just feels like almost like he's too precious with the characters. It feels like a Teen Titans book. Maybe like that's my issue. <laughs> it doesn't There's feel. No risk. You know, it's it's like you know, you two have already said it. They're the they're the team. But they haven't been elevated. Yeah. Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman are still out there. Green Lantern and Barry Allen are still out there doing their shit. Why aren't they the Justice League? Ultimately, you're correct. You're 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 right. And I feel like that's um that's probably gonna be the way we look back on this. Mm. Um it doesn't feel big enough yeah. for the the only real superhero team that DC has. But again, to me, that has a lot to do with the fact that DC as a company is in a weird place because the big bad Amanda Waller isn't doing anything. Night terrors wasn't caused by her. That was something random. And that put DC in a weird bubble and now it's out the bubble, but no one's doing anything. And in that bubble, the justice league was doing shit. Like, right. And, and if, Tom Taylor had launched this run with some big epic thing and then it yeah. got cut off 
for two months by Night Terrors, we'd all be here saying, I can't believe they launched with this big epic thing that then we just stopped reading. So it's like, I don't know what Tom Taylor could have done, to be honest. Night Terrors was the worst. Yeah, it was a a nightmare, period. Uh, (laughs) What they should have done with this book to elevate it was the very first thing they should have done is wipe Trigon off the board. Mm. Trigon, Trigon. Trigon Wiped him off the board, first page. We're going higher than Trigon. Mm. Right. And, you know, they put out a couple of fires in issue one, like like literal forest fires or whatever. Just... Damn it, you guys. I've really liked this, and now you're bringing me down. (laughs) You're welcome. Welcome back. Slow down. Slow down. This conversation is bringing (laughs) me down. Between you guys and the chat, the chat did not like this comic. I feel like I should not have liked it. I think after the couple weeks you've had, you're allowed to like whatever you want, Sean. (laughs) If this this brought you some semblance of joy, take it. Look, I'm going to say pull, okay? It's not perfect. There are some things here that need to get better. And I hope that the next arc does elevate the Titans now that we can have night terrors in our rearview mirror. Um, I think if that doesn't happen, this series will become a drop. But for now, I'm on the hook. So I'm going to say the most comic book collector thing ever here and say pull. Um, <laughs> I, didn't like the, I didn't like the issue, but I want to read more. I don't know if I'm hate reading at this point. I don't think it's there. I don't hate this book. Um, but I just, I just really like the characters. And I want to read about them, even if what I get out of it I don't really enjoy. You know, it's t- typical masochistic comic book fan. I feel you. Yeah. I seen you to read pile, Sean. I know. I know you understand. We don't talk. Don't look. You want to see? Okay, hold on. Can you show no, it? Don't do it. <laughs> I'm not gonna show. I'm not gonna show my Take a sliver? to read that. Pile. Okay. <laughs> but I, I'm gonna show you what I got this week. This is from me missing last week. Oh no. Because I wasn't around, and then this week. This is my stack. Okay. This is what I do every week. Look at this. This is insane. I can't even tell you how many comics this is. I have those no are, idea. Those are raw. Where's the bag and board? Do you think I have had time to bag and board <laughs> all these comic books? Uh, no, you have not. Out here raw dogging, man. Damn. Jesus Christ. What a huge week. Anyway, uh, uh, Kale, did you give your thoughts? on a uh, I don't think this was bad, but it's a pass for me. Okay. Yeah. Hey, CW, CW uh, Gordon says he's loving this series. So there you go. But then the very next comment is from Flo Dameron, who says, skip. <laughs> so there you go. We've read a lot of comics like Titans before, but the next one is a rare flavor. Huh. By, by Rob Candy Spider-Man. Oh. Mm. <laughs> no. I misread that transition. I'm sorry. No, I, no, I would. I the, would the read code, the codes off. I would read Ron B's Nightcrawler though. So I would 150 million percent read Ron B's Nightcrawler, Tyler. That is one of the most brilliant things I have ever heard you say. I think. I think good, that would be great. There's a good. There's a good thing with religion there. That I think yeah. you would tackle really yeah, fucking I think so. well. Yeah. 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 Well. 
Ram V was joined by uh, a frequent collaborator, Philippe Andrade, Ooh. with letters by N World Design. And um, Ram's been touting this book. This is a $5 book, by the way. Just thought you should know that. Um, <laughs> uh, Flo points out, I think I think he was re- referencing this. It's a, it is an expensive paper. Um, uh, I didn't know at all what to expect from this book. At all. And... What I got out of it is something that I pretty much completely loved. Um, it's weird, though. It's a weird one. It's It appears to be about a guy who is wealthy beyond all imagination, who just wants to make a food documentary because he loves to chow down. But he's also an ancient being of some sort and likely world endingly dangerous. And you know what? I'm into that. Yeah. It's uh, especially this issue. It's a v- that last thing. I think, you know, that, that this guy is world endingly dangerous. I think is what a lot of other writers would put their hats on. But that's not what this issue is about. Yeah. And I, I really think that's where Romby's cooking. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's 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 not about the demon part of this guy. It's about the Anthony Bourdain part of this guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which which I, I like. Like even the the solicits. Like the first part of the solicit says, "Discover the tantalizing tale of Ruben Bach, a demonic rakshasa with a down to earth dream of becoming the next Anthony Bourdain." Like that is a great opening for uh a a solicit um that's awesome no there's more to it too but like i don't think you even need anything like say and right. romby philippe andrade that sold um it was this was interesting this felt like the savage shores in a way where it's a little more rom kind of able to be a little more poetic a little more flowery in, in a good way not in the way we talked about tom king it, it didn't it didn't detract yeah. it what i thought uh, just to give this, uh, I thought it gave us an understanding of the character we're dealing with. Yeah, which yeah. is a different. That's a different thing. And I also think it it kind of leaned into the Bourdainness of it. You know, you know Anthony Bourdain. You know when when you when you see no reservations or something, he's gonna talk about something a little flowery. As you know, we get some B roll yeah. of the food that he's seeing on a street vendor. You know, um, so that lend like the 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 theme and the and the story allows it to be flowery. Um and I especially liked and I hope this is a recurring bit throughout all the issues, where there was almost a bit of a history of food too. Um yeah. with yep. the the chai masala, which is the mm-hmm. first masala chai. Uh yeah, that thing. Because chai is tea. Okay. Yeah, I got it. Um Spider Man helped me remember that. You can't say chai tea because that's redundant. Um yeah, I, I I really enjoyed it. I, I thought this. I I still don't know what to make of it. Um, but I'm a big Fleet Andrade fan, so like, <laughs> be no words, and I'd still be interested in it. The only thing I didn't like, and, and that took me out of the story, was actually the uh, recipe. I I don't cook for what it's worth, huh. but the re- when I got to the recipe. 
I started to kind of glaze. And then I was like, hey, wait, what am I reading? What's going on? And then because the recipe was, it was like recipe uh, panel, story panel. I was like, what? I was like getting kind of not confused. It was just like I was out on one part of it and trying to stay in on the other. But because they were interspersed, it was taking away my um, my focus. I think that's where I was at, too. I really enjoyed both aspects of that, but that I had to sort of switch gears sort of hurt my concentration on it. And I and this was also the last thing I read. Mm. Um so I think especially after Wonder Woman, I was a bit like, okay, hold on. <laughs> but I yeah. I I really liked the rest the recipe part of it. I thought that was really unique. Is this Boom that is doing this book? That's really unique for a Boom book. And it's not even a recipe as like there's no measurements or anything like that. It's more like when yeah. you're trying to find a recipe and you have to get through all that uh, stuff at the beginning to actually find the ingredients, it, it's that part of the recipe. Um, I was talking about the history of things and a little bit of the science too. And it needs to be there. It's a, it's an important part of the book. Yeah. And I, I'm not even saying it doesn't work. It didn't work for me. But it absolutely has to be there. So, you know, take it or leave it. All in all, this was the only other book that I considered for Pick of the Week. I thought this was this was great. This was really great. I'm excited and happy to be to be excited for a Rom V number one that is not from the big two. Yeah. Yeah. I had one small, maybe picky art complaint. There were a couple places in here where I thought that maybe Philippe Andrade could have given it a second look because I, I, I felt like I couldn't understand what I was looking at. Um, it's the page before the la- the, the last page. Okay. For the, 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 uh, the premiere of the yeah, documentary yeah, or whatever, yeah. the very last panel there. Mm-hmm. I, I cannot make out what I'm supposed to see in that. It's a pull out on the uh, the little food. Yeah, like they're going through the door. Yeah, yeah. I just like my eyes cannot make that work. Hmm. It just uh, like and and it goes with Andrade's style here, you know, very much so. It's it's very um, wibbly wobbly in a good way. Um, it's very, you know, uh, shaky. It's very fine art. Uh, but it just, it just that one panel is really, it's re- it really took me out. Hmm. And then it was the end of the book, and I was like, oh, well, okay, fine. Let's, um, let's hit on Dan's question real quick. Haven't read this, but it doesn't sound like anything else I'm reading. How hard is it to find something this unique? I think this is a pretty unique book. Honestly. Um, a lot of times we talk about books where it's like, okay, I haven't necessarily seen this concept before. Um, but it doesn't really grab me. This is one where I have seen aspects of this concept before, not together. And it grabbed me because of the strength of the creative team 
and what I thought was a really great last page hook. It does the exact same thing that I've been raving about for this whole episode now, which is a tease of something from the future. But it does it in such a way where it does not intrude upon what's happening in the moment at all. Yeah. It's just something to think about. And I like that. I thought that was a great punch out. But the Mm. rest of the issue, genuinely compelling, unique, and special. And gorgeous. Yeah. And kind of ugly at the same time. Like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, something like this, I think you would typically find in manga. You know, you'll get like explainer manga that, you know, will teach you the history of something or how, you know, a very light version of how to do something. Um, specifically like this, there's one called, um, I think it's called Delicious in Dungeon. It's uh you know it's it's a, a sort of a a dungeon craw- uh, crawler fantasy type thing, but they teach you how to cook in this fantasy world. So you're cooking bones, you're cooking mice, you're cooking uh, jello cubes, you know that that type of stuff. But they teach you how to do it and what it tastes like and how to survive. And there's an ongoing narrative along with it. Um. But this has that killer Rom V twist. Yeah. This is a great comics. Uh, easy pull. Yeah. Easy pull. Yeah. Same for me. Um, I saw a lot of people mentioning that they're going to be going to New York Comic Con. And uh, we will be there. We will definitely be there. We'll be talking more about our plans for New York Comic Con. In the coming weeks, I mean, shoot, the show's right around the corner. Yeah, two um, weeks. three weeks. So we might even we might even need to do some kind of meetup or something like that. Ooh. We'll talk about it. Pals I meet up. A, I could pick a bar. Oh, okay. Hold on, hold on. Can I? You're not. You're not going to be picking the bar. You're, you're not. Picking oh, the bar. yes, I am. <laughs> yes, I, am. You're, I won't be there. Trust me. I, if you pick the bar, I won't be there. We're going to Gaga night in the Hell's Kitchen. That that sounds like anti fun. <laughs> and I literally love Lady Gaga. That sounds like anti-fun. Damn. I don't actually want to be around other people that like Lady Gaga because those <laughs> people are crazy. Um, Let's talk about Captain America, <sighs> who's not crazy. Someone very sane. Well, uh, he's a landlord now. So, you know, some would say that uh, a good one. Huh? He's gone. He's gone off the deep end. Well, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. This is actually this is actually that evil cap from Secret <laughs> Empire. This one's not written by Sean Gordon Murphy. It's the the build up to Hyd- Hydra Cap. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, so this is by JMS with art by Jesus Saez, colors by Matt Hollingsworth, letters by Joe Caramagna, and this is a story. First of all. Um, good to see JMS again back writing a, a legitimate a Marvel ongoing series. It's pretty yep. cool. Um, this is a story that takes place in the present, but the present story really only exists to give us a way into the flashback, which is going to tell a story about the lost years of Steve Rogers. Um, between the ages of like whatever 14 to 18 yeah. um, before he becomes a, a, a soldier before he joins the military um, and what his life was like 
And of course, look, I'll map it all out for you. Okay. It's going to reinforce every single thing that we already know about the life of, of Steve Rogers, which is that he's a yep. good stand up person who works really hard and does the best that he can and really was a super soldier before he got the serum. And also that he really hated Nazis and was already fighting them before he got the serum and enlisted for the war. That is everything you're going to get out of this, no matter how long it is. That being said, I like what JMS did here. I had fun with this. It, yeah. it felt, it felt, and maybe this is words overused, but it did feel epic. Does that make sense? Like I the way JMS has a way of storytelling, like the whole idea of there's a lot of narration in this, but this is more like a, a talking about the idea of stories. Now stories can find you or you find stories. Um, and it introduces it, all the little stories throughout this. Um, it's narration that feels like it means something on the page. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it's not hiding from us who, who's saying, it, you know, there's no mystery behind it. Yeah. It just, it is, it is what yeah. it is. You're, what you're reading is what you're getting. Um, and that feels very JMS to me. That feels like his Thor stuff. You know, his Thor stuff was written like a, a, a mythological epic. Um, yeah. And I kind of felt that here. Um, that being said, I don't care about the lost years of Steve Rogers when, when he was scrawny. You know what I mean? Like, it's fine, but it, it, I don't know how that's going to be visually appealing for me. When it's a comic book, um, I, I don't know if I can deal with uh, multiple issues of a sepia-toned, scrawny dude. Um, yeah. I, like, yeah. it's For me, it's sort of got that chosen one syndrome to it. He's, he's got anti-Nazi fighting mitochlorians. Yeah. Yeah. This dude was destined to be Captain America. He was born on the 4th of July. Uh, I mean, so was I, but, like, I'm not Captain America. You could be. C.W. Gordon with the line of the night easily. I barely care about the current years of Steve Rogers. The lost years have lost me. Listen, yeah. I feel you. The, I feel you. This almost feels like it would be a great prose book, like the premise and everything. But because of... I mean, that's also JMS's kind of strong suit. Um, because it is a visual comic, uh, it feels like it's going to be a lot of alleyways in 1940s New York. I could, which I could do this all day. And nah, yeah. no, it's gonna, it's gonna have, it's gonna have the current day stories and the past stories. We, I, you already see from the tease of the next issue, it's got Spider Man in it. You know. I'm tired of that dude. Uh, so stop reading Marvel. <laughs> I mean, what the hell? It won't let us. Yeah, that's true. I didn't. Um, I, so I, I didn't dislike this though. Um, it's just a lot. It it it, it didn't felt long to like. Was this oversized? Had to be. Had to be. Thirty six pages, barely oversized. Yeah. It felt double. I've that, got thir I've got thirty three, so I don't even think it was. <laughs> Hmm. It he felt it, yeah. but it's got a lot of words. Um, look, I, 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 I like the art. I like the story, but I laid out the premise. I told you exactly what's going to happen. It's really one of those things where you take it or leave it. It, hmm. it the premise is all that this is going to be. Um, JMS though 
is for my money, he's one of the the writers that really helped solidify me as a fan of comics because of how great yeah. I thought the Spider-Man stuff and the Thor stuff was um, in the mid to late 2000s. So I will be along for this ride. But if you don't care about Steve Rogers as a landlord, if you don't care about a young Steve Rogers, maybe potentially joining the Nazis, then maybe you skip this one. I don't know what to tell you. I'm in. Didn't he do the whole in his in his run of Spider Man? Like that was Moreland, and that's with the totems and stuff yep. like that, right? Yeah, yeah. Very yeah. much yeah. the chosen one. Um, uh, uh, not quite. Uh, Spider Man wasn't quite like that anyway. Uh, it okay. was very much like you know. It's, it's a blind you... spot for me. Yeah. It, it was very uh animalistic and mystic it took more of a mystic side to spider-man more than chosen one it was the precursor to the chosen one stuff that came later which i feel like is all the spider island and all the spider Mm. mumbo jumbo where it's like you were specifically chosen yeah the verse Um, stuff yeah, yeah right 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 but i don't think that's what jms was trying to do no uh and i don't and i don't think that's what he's trying to do here i mean right like Sean said, this is all stuff we know about Steve Rogers. Yeah. So, you know, it's like, you know, it's like the stuff about uh, Ma and Pa Kent, you know. We don't, we're going to get it. We've probably seen it. We don't need books about, you know, how Superman was raised by Ma and Pa Kent. Yeah. Because, you know, we know who they are and they did a good job. Yeah, we, we, we don't need trouble to know about Aunt May's backstory and all that stuff. Well, now, hold on a second. <laughs> Ooh, uh, Atomic Hound with the hot take. JMS didn't stay on Thor long enough to screw it up like he did on ASM. Yo, not wrong. Wow. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, hold on. Outside of One More Day. Okay, let's just put that to the side because that wasn't his idea. Yep. How did he ruin ASM? Amazing Spider-Man. I didn't read it, so I can't talk to you. I, I will just say I don't like Moreland. It was also the run with Gwen and Norman. No book has ever started so strongly to go. So, okay, so it's the, the Gwen and Norman stuff. Which, oh. listen, I'm going to sit here. I, I'm going to defend it. Oh, I like me it. too. I like it a lot. I thought that shit was great. I lent that to a friend, and he liked it so much, I never got it back. And I wish I had gotten it back because I'd read it again right now. That's was it Harris? Me, <laughs> no, okay. <laughs> for me, that's canon for Gwen Stacy because oh. it sucks. Ending, yeah. Story. Norman Osborn's a piece of garbage. You think he wouldn't do that shit? Of course he would do it. He's horrible. It's like it sucks, but it colors Gwen Stacy so much. It makes her a real person. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Come on now. You look. We're about to talk about. Uncanny Spider-Man, all right? And so I will not tolerate any more crapping on what JMS did with Spider-Man because at least that was actually Spider-Man. We're talking about Uncanny Spider-Man. Let me tell you something. That motherfucker's Nightcrawler. It's Nightcrawler, (laughs) all right? This is by... Spoilers, damn. I know. This is by my favorite writer in the world, Simon Spurrier. 
with art by Lee Garbett, colors by Matt Miller, Joe Caramagna on the letters. Simon Spurrier, what are you, his mom? No, unfortunately not. <laughs> um, Tyler, talk to me about this. Let me talk to you. Um, I didn't hate it. it I'll get on my soapbox shortly. Go ahead. It w- I thought it was kind of fun. Here, here's the thing. Um, there are certain characters for me at, at, in Marvel or in comic books in general, in superhero comics, that have just stuck with me in, in ways that maybe I can't fully describe. Uh, Nightcrawler is one of them, man. I, anytime Nightcrawler comes out with a new book, if he's, on, if he's on a team, like I've loved him since I was a kid. So I will follow that character anywhere. I don't know what Cy Spurrier has against Marvel editorial to be able to take Nightcrawler hostage the way he has the past three years. Um, impressive. Uh, but the premise of Nightcrawler trying to, I guess, regain control over his life after losing control and being mind-controlled and stuff like that, like, I get it. That's that's a premise in fiction. It's a, it's a way to get a character to make horrible decisions because they're, you know, going a little off the deep end. Um, this was fine. This is fine. I'm not going to rave about it. But it, honestly, there were worse Fall of X books so far. Um, this might be on the upper tier of Fall of X for me. Name them. Um, Name them now. Iceman. Okay. Um, I <laughs> got me. I think I liked it more than than Children of uh Children of the Vault. Um, and oh, man, it's like I'm about to go back to man. I didn't care much for <laughs> Immortal. I didn't vacation. care much for Immortal. That that one issue of Immortal that we had so far. And I, I don't think it's better than that. But um, might be on the upper half. I don't know. I think it was. Yeah. I, oh no, I, I've liked almost nothing from this era so far. This fall of X business. Sean, did, liked, you, have uh, you, did, did you listen to Palace Polls while you were gone? Uh, bits and pieces, but I didn't okay. want to get spoiled. So that's fair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm the same way if I miss the show. Uh, but I think we've, Kale, we've been pretty like not hot yeah, on it. <laughs> very down on it. Yeah. Yeah. On fall of X? Yeah, as a premise. Yeah. yeah. Of course yeah. you've been down on Fall of X. We're, everybody's down on Fall of X. No one no one is excited about freaking Fall of X. Orcus. But, well, that's true. But that's, I think, yeah, that goes to say Uncanny Spider-Man might be one of the best things about it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm going to put the disrespectful suit aside. All right. I'm going to put the disrespect to Miles aside. Mm. We'll leave that. We'll leave that alone. I'm going to put the fall of X to the side. We'll leave that alone. I'm going to buy on the premise that in order for Nightcrawler to regain control of his life, he is taking on the a new spider persona so that he can do his thing in New York unabated. By Orcus, even though that doesn't make any sense, it wouldn't work. But okay, I'm gonna put that to the side. It didn't even work in one issue. Put it to the side. <laughs> I'll even put to the side the awful jokes 
on Nightcrawler's part because that's part of the that's that he's learning. He doesn't know how to tell jokes. I get it. Okay, fine, no big deal. I'm not gonna put aside, however, the frivolous, unnecessary, non-stop dialogue. I'm not gonna put it aside. I'm sorry, I can't. I'm not putting it aside. I'm sick yeah. of reading books with 50 million uh, uh, word balloons. I can't do it anymore. I'm not going to put aside. I'm sorry. I'm not going to put no. aside Wait. the fact that in this year, Silver Sable is not a draw for me to buy issue two. Boy, you are not kidding. I'm sorry. You are not kidding. There was nothing here. There was nothing here. All this, you guys made me read this. I I would rarely on Pals Pulls do we read a book that I would absolutely never buy. Like that I would, you couldn't even sway me to buy. You could not have swayed me to buy this because I already knew what was going to happen. To me. But you made me do it. I don't want to talk about size barrier in this way. I don't want to do it. I already know I got to review the flash next week and I don't want oh, to do that, on. but you made me read this. And let me tell you something. There wasn't anything here for me. You guys liked it. I'm glad pals pulls is diverse in that way. There was nothing here for me. You're telling me phallic, phalanx-infested vulture is not for you? No. No, not for me. Uh, a little bit of a mix-up for Nightcrawler to be facing off with the vulture, but then I remembered, no, that's a Spider-Man villain. He's wearing a Spider-Man costume. That's the only reason the vulture's here. It's a Spider-Man villain with X-Men parts in him. I liked it. Whoa. Fall of X. Yeah, this is the fucking fall of X. This is the fall of me buying X-Men comics if they're going to be like this. And Krakoa. End I, it. I mean, we'll talk about that <laughs> on Saturday. Uh, I, I like the bit. Like, the, I think there are some parts in this I liked. Like, I know there's a lot of words. There's a lot of talking. But I didn't feel it as much as I felt the nar the loads of narration we got in Wonder Woman and we got in, yeah. in Captain yeah. America. It was almost refreshing uh, compared to all the stuff I was reading this week. There were about a thousand less word balloons than I thought there would be. Yeah. And especially, especially... From a Spider-Man book that actual Spider-Man is in. Yep. A lot of other writers will give you pages and pages and pages of Spider-Man dialogue like it's their only shot. Spider got it this time. And, and I think it helps that he's not doing an ensemble book here. This is a solo book. So he doesn't have to find a spot for all these different characters to shine. It's like, no, I can focus on Nightcrawler, who I've been really focusing on for the past three years. Um, I thought the bit with him, you know, eating pizza in a church with with Spider-Man was good. I thought it was a good bit that it was in a church. Um, I like how he's not funny. I like the suit. I don't know why. I kind of like it. Like, I'm like, oh, all right, if this is an option oh. in, in Spider-Man 2 for PS5, I'm, I'm, I'm wearing it. And who And who would have it on? Would it be Peter Parker, Miles Morales, or fucking Nightcrawler? 
Uh, add Nightcrawler no, would, to the game. Third it, Spider-Man. It wouldn't be. It wouldn't be Nightcrawler. You know why? Because nobody's making a game based on Nightcrawler. Missing out. It's disrespectful to Miles. Miles has a whole video game out. And they put him in Miles' suit. That's not Miles' suit, though. Yeah, it, 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 it's close enough. They should have put him in the Amazing Bagman costume. How about that? Mm. Couldn't sell that. Marvel comics. The, the way they describe it is like it was just a spare Peter suit. Right. But yeah, it, but then it's like, but how's the tail work? And they don't address that, but whatever. Um, I didn't See, hate this. That's, that's the size barrier bullshit that I... Yeah. Yeah, I didn't hate it. I probably hate issue too. I didn't I... hate it. Go ahead. I didn't hate it as much as I thought I would. Yeah. I'm not going to read issue two. Y'all made me do it. Fine. You did all right. I'll give it to you. Don't make me do it again. They won't have the power to. It's, there's no way. There's no way that I'm going to torture myself. I already read Avengers. We're reading Avengers next week. Okay? So I got... I, I'm, I'm getting it both ways. Flash and Avengers do this to it's me. Our, it's our show. We don't have to do this. <laughs> I have to do it. I have to do it. Masochism. Classic comic book fan. It's what the people want. Yes, Dan, I am. I am disgusted respectfully because this th- these are not creators that, you know, deserve to be disrespected. I, I respect the creators. I just don't like the creation. There's a difference. I, I had this conversation with uh, Nihilus in the discord. I. Cy, I don't like Cy Spurrier's voice in the big two. I've read a lot of his indie stuff, and I, I really enjoy his voice there. I think when he's doing his own thing, his stuff fits. Um, But his voice for characters in the big two is quippy. It's, you know, uh, I think I described it once as it feels like he's desperately trying to be the smartest person in the room. And it just, it's grating and annoying, and it, detracts from what's happening you, you describe that and i'm like that sounds a lot like john constantine oh wait that's probably why i like this his constantine <laughs> every character feels like john constantine yeah and and his constantine isn't awful i like this hellblazer a lot i think that was my book of the year that yeah yeah and um, you know what that's how I knew that this writer wasn't for me because I didn't like that. And everybody was raving about it like it was the greatest thing since sliced bread. And I'm like, I can't even get through it. So I know that this is just not for me. Yeah. Pass. Yeah. Oh, yeah, cool. pass. <laughs> okay. I want the action figure. I have a chasm action figure I just got. So like oh, Hasbro, man, Hasbro's so been bad. doing these new new suits lately. Let's see what we can do here. And I love how they call this an old suit, but it's like not old. Like it's a new suit, you know. Like it's not. When have like we ever? Right. When have we ever seen it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's when Spider-Man uh, was, was making a suit that fit two toes for some reason, or, or a third back toe. Like, there's his, <laughs> in what situation would he ever need to make this? And his cosplay elf ears, like yeah. right? Yeah. Um, Thanks, listeners. If you guys want to uh, uh, torment me further, you can do that. 
by voting in the listener pick poll, which is up on YouTube in the community tab every single Friday. You get to vote until Wednesday. That's when we stop uh, caring about the numbers. Um, and so you guys have been doing fantastic. I appreciate everybody that goes and votes over on YouTube.com slash The Comics Pals. Let's keep it up. Uh, we'll have some really good books on tap for you tomorrow uh, when the poll does go live, if you were listening to this uh, Thursday. So check it out. Tyler. Me. Yeah. Tyler had a pretty interesting day yesterday. Um, Tyler got to go check out AW Grand Slam. Which uh, emanated from Arthur Ashe Stadium in Queens, New York. Tyler, being a New York native, went and checked it out. Fucking I, me. also being a New York native, did not go check it out. So I want to hear what Tyler has to say about the event. How was and it? Be, and I'd be curious to see what you, what you thought. Uh, have, I, what did you watch on TV? I did watch it. Okay. Yeah. Um, this was my second year going in a row. I did not. I was not able to go to the first Grand Slam, which had freaking Danielson versus Omega in a sixty-minute match because I was too busy. Uh, Getting married, uh, and it worked out. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, this is fun. This is uh, like I wasn't planning on going this to be honest. Um, mostly because it was it was expensive. That was my biggest problem with it. It was way too expensive for like nosebleeds. And then like last week, they dropped the tickets down to like thirty dollars with fees and everything for Ticketmaster. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I've been to indie shows that were more expensive. Um. So I couldn't not go. So me, me and, you know, listener of the show, Matt Murphy, uh, we went. And it was fun. It was fun. I got to say, though, some wrestling fans are unbearable. Ooh. Drama? Like in, like in person. Like people who, who, who want to get themselves over in the crowd are the fucking worst. Like, yeah. guy, I can see your gut hanging out from your shirt. Like, it's – you don't need whoa, to – Whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't body shame. Well, this guy, this guy was body shaming all the women wrestlers out loud, so he can go screw. Um, he, yeah, it was he was pretty much like sarcastically cheering for women's wrestling and call, calling Aubrey Plaza a horse at the same time, um, like just scummy person. Um, Aubrey Plaza was there. Oh, uh, Aubrey Edwards. Sorry, Alpha oh, Plaza okay. was there. Oh okay. boy. Um, and yeah, and he was like yelling his YouTube channel at the same time, like, buddy. Buddy, he, he was directly behind me too, and he was unbearable. Uh, that being said, the show was fun, you know, um, a little scary at points. Um, there's a whole John Moxley thing, and then the Adam Cole thing as well. Um, okay, just don't describe them as things, Tyler. Well, I'm, I'm getting to him, I'm getting to him, I'm getting Assume to him. people don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, I'm getting to it, I'm getting to it. Uh, you're talking to someone who doesn't know what you're talking about, yeah. So, so Moxley. Uh, goes against Ray Phoenix, and, and you know Moxley had just won this this title that they've been hyping up for year for the year, um, in the main event of one of their biggest pay per views of the year, um, and he goes against Ray Phoenix, who's like a good, he's one of my favorite wrestlers, like workers, um, but you know this is going to be a Moxley win just to get him more wins under the, under his belt, um, and he loses uh, in a really weird finish because he gets concussed, like he looks out, the ref should have called for three, like a, a three count, but he like, he, he lies and says, oh no, his shoulder was up. It was not up. Like Moxley was out. And a ref, honestly, in my opinion, refs should be shoot uh, tapping. Like if, if, you're, if you're counting, shoot count. If they don't put their Tyler, shoulder up, that's on them. What does um, shoot count mean, buddy? 
Come on. Sure, I'm getting to it. I'm getting to it, Sean. Jeez. You're um, not explaining what you're saying. Shoot count means that the referee should be trained to treat the match like it's real. So if a person is not responding to a tap out or a count or anything like that, they really lose, even if they yeah. weren't supposed to. Getting there. Uh, yeah. So he because he doesn't okay, put his sorry. shoulder. Yeah. I have to clarify. You said the dude was concussed. Real concussed or fake wrestling concussed? No, well, they, they don't do fake wrestling concussed really much anymore. That, that scares too many people, okay. uh, unless it's right. Danielson. Um, but, yeah, he was he was out. Uh, it, it, it looked bad at some points because they had to do the finish twice. So they do the finish uh, the first time, and Moxley should have put his story, uh, his, his shoulder up. He doesn't. Ref fakes it saying it was a two count. Um, then they do the exact same move again, and then it's a three count. And then Ray Phoenix is a new champion. Like, that was a title match. And Ray Phoenix looks surprised as hell um, that he won. Mm. I was uh, I was like, wait, what? What the hell? Um, then they they turn the lights off in the whole arena, and Mox is still in the ring, on his back, and it doesn't look good because <laughs> um, the whole time we're just like, what the hell happened? That's it's like the, they're one of their biggest wrestlers right now, and he just lost clean to a guy who's mostly a tag team wrestler. Like it was weird. Then he eventually, you know, uh, they're doing a promo, so you don't you don't see any of this stuff on TV. But he's in the ring. The, the doctor gets in there. Um, they check him out. Um, then he, he starts moving himself, and this dude looks pissed. He just runs back to the backstage, like like he, like I think we saw I saw a Renee, his wife, briefly. Um, he looked pissed. Um, but honestly, if this means like I think it's been confirmed that he had a concussion at this point. Um, so I think she's saying he was out. He was out in the match. Uh, and to be fair, I think that the move Ray Phoenix gave him should not be given to guys that are six foot plus. Um, because essentially it was a pile driver and he landed on his head. Um, mm. so it, it's Ray Phoenix is a small guy. So if you have this full body over you, uh, of a guy that's much taller than you, his torso, that, that, that head is hitting the mat. Like it just, the body parts don't match up there. Um, so I think that was, uh, uh, but that was weird. And then Adam Cole uh, makes a run in on the main event, which is like a title match. Uh, he's not the one wrestling, but he jumps off the stage just running and he falls and you can tell, and he starts limping. I'm like, oh no, he just twisted his ankle. Oh no. Yikes. Um, and this dude was limping the entire, the, the entire time. And I'm a big Adam Cole fan. So like this kind of took me out of the match for the finish because I'm looking at Adam Cole the whole time. I'm like, he did not just mess himself up. Like, this dude was just out on injury for over a year. Um, and he hurt himself. Apparently, he has uh, crutches now. So uh, if it's an ankle thing, it could potentially just be a strained ankle, which you can be good with in two weeks. Um, but based on the Rampage taping that I saw, too, I think they, they that that's not... That hasn't happened on TV yet, so Sean doesn't doesn't know this unless you looked at Rampage spoilers. I do know, yeah. Okay. Um, so spoilers for Rampage. Uh, it don't, seems like don't, they're don't yeah. don't don't do that. Don't sure. Do that. But there the the there seemed to be an audible uh, made in one of the matches. Um. So, uh, good show. Shitty fans. Unfortunate. Um, injuries, to arguably, two of their biggest stars. Well, I want to I want to go back to the Moxley injury because 
for those of you who don't know what a what a pile driver is or the severity of of what it can do, um, everybody knows who Stone Cold is, right? Stone Cold Steve Austin. The injury that broke his neck, which pretty much everyone knows he had a broken neck, was due to a pile driver. Um, okay. He took a pile driver in like 97, 96, or whatever, and it altered his career trajectory forever. Owen Hart, right? Owen Hart broke his yeah. neck, yeah. Owen Hart, who would also go on to later die in the ring yeah. um, due to a stunt. So that so pile drivers were banned in WWE uh, because of the danger of that move. And only like the Undertaker and Kane, who are both, you know, seven foot, whatever, yeah. six foot, you know, high six feet, six foot 11, whatever it is. They're the only ones that were allowed to do it. Um, everybody else cannot do that move. And so it is a controversial move. It's a dangerous move. And here's another victim to essentially the pile driver. And the referee of that match, the Moxley-Phoenix match, is a Rich fucking Knox. idiot because he allowed Moxley to take another pile driver after the first one. That's yeah, so I... crazy. Yeah, that, that's a double a double miss on his part. Missing the pin, the first pin. Like, just count three. If Moxley doesn't put a shoulder up, that's on Moxley. It's on you. That's your job as a ref. You got to make it look real. Um, and I understand maybe wanting to do the finish against. So usually if the finish gets mess- messed up, you finish the match in the same way. And, you know, but uh, I don't even know what that move was called. It's, it's, not, it's not a traditional pile driver. It's an over-the-shoulder one. Rikishi kind of used to do it uh, a yeah, lot. But yeah. Rikishi had a lot of uh, thigh meat to prevent you from... Smashing your head on the uh, on the the mat there, so right. it's a dangerous I mean, move. Apparently he's okay, but this dude needs a vacation. Like <laughs> this dude was supposed to have a vacation a year ago. Uh, the CM Punk, one of the CM Punk things happened, um, mm. so he didn't get a vacation. Instead, he became their champion uh, and then became their workhorse. Um, so. so that was yeah, that was going to be my question. AEW is the company we were talking about. A few weeks ago with yeah. the CM Punk drama yeah, yeah, yeah. and everything. Yep. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, from my vantage point, uh, the show was solid. Yeah. Um, I feel like AEW is in a weird rut right now, storyline-wise. Mm-hmm. I don't love what's been going on. Um, I think... What what doing... was the reaction to the Chris Jericho versus um, versus Sammy Guevara matchup? You mean that one WrestleMania 19? to me. That was cool. I like the the. Um, it was good. Yeah. It was good. Um, I think. I mean, I I would be okay with never hearing Judas ever again. Um, I don't like I don't like Chris Jericho's entrance theme, uh, and it annoys me. Um, I don't like fun. I guess. Um, no, it was, it was good. It, I think there were there were you know you fucked up chance for a couple of the missed spots in that match. Yeah. Um, where they obviously missed a kick or like missed a super kick or Jericho maybe didn't Jericho needs to stop doing the line salt, which is essentially. Um, he jumps onto the bottom rope and does a flip. Middle. Uh, is it middle? Yeah. Is he, is he doing bottom? Of the, I don't know. Um, but he does a flip, and he's at the point where like his head is grazing the mat when he does this flip, and it worries me every time because if you do that wrong, his neck's gone. Like, well, Sammy actually had to help him out and move a little yeah, closer I to bet, Jericho yeah. to ensure the landing on that, and then he also missed. The uh, he missed the code breaker, um, a couple times. He the top rope one, it was a little really sloppy. land, yeah, lush, 
And then the first one that he tried didn't land at all. Yeah. I just like seeing Jericho, you know, finally put over the youth and let them win. Wait a minute. Uh, no, Jericho won that. <laughs> um, there is some... Storyline-wise, I think it's interesting. I hate Sammy Guevara. <laughs> Me too. Um, I just find him unlikable. He's a good-ass wrestler, though. Uh, like, I don't like... I don't think this is a guy that could ever be a face because his face is just punchable. And I don't, I'm not like a... I'm not a guy who wants to punch people. But you know when someone just has, like, a face that's just like... That looks like a dick, you know? Yes, <laughs> like, lean into that. And, and I think they are leading into it again. And, and it, it'd be cool because we have not seen him without Chris Jericho, really. Uh, he did a little bit right. of TNT title stuff uh, with Cody, but uh, let him let him let him soar there. Um, I will say the opening match: uh, Claudio Castagnoli versus Eddie Kingston. My boy Eddie Kingston, fellow Yonkers native, uh, winning that Ring of Honor title in New York as the opener. Genius. He Hell, deserved that. Everything. Eddie Kingston is a big, tough streets of New York boy who takes no shit demands respect you know he is like the fan favorite he's not the he's not the guy that they're gonna make the world champion he's a little bit older but everybody loves eddie kingston far and wide even in japan where he just did a stint wrestling in new japan and he won a title over there he comes here, he faces off with his arch nemesis, who he has wrestled with, I think they said 18 times or 16 times, and he's won, He's lost all but two, all yep. but two of their encounters. And they face off title for title in the opening match of this show that, that Tyler was at and that I watched live at home. And it was an amazing match. The crowd was going insane. Tyler can speak to that. And Eddie Kingston winning, they erupted. Erupted, yeah. amazing. Yeah. It, it was uh, it was cool to see them. Like in wrestling matches, a lot of times people focus on body parts. You know, it's part of the you know ring psychology. You know, focus focus on you know someone's knee that you know they've had issues with the entire time. So you know they, they'll maybe target the knee as part of the storytelling of it. They were targeting the hands in this. Like Claudio was targeting the hands of Eddie Kingston, which I thought was very interesting because it's not something you'd see often. Um, because Kingston has a lot of striking, so it's a lot of Chops, it's a lot of punches, it's a lot of backhand fists. That's like his, his one of his signature moves. Um, so trying to take that out of his arsenal, I was like, all right, it's pretty interesting. Um, but man, when he won, it was nuts, dude. It's good, good stuff. Yeah. Um, I actually really liked the the Soraya match too. I thought they weren't given that much time. It was Soraya versus Tony Storm for the women's title. Um, they weren't given much time, but they did some good stuff for what they were given. I think what Tony Storm is doing right now with her character is one of my favorite characters in wrestling right now. It's a uh, mentally ill uh, early Hollywood starlet, um, which came out because she lost a couple matches in a row. She lost the belt, and she just lost her mind. And I think she's doing some career work right now. Um, you would like Tony Storm, Cal. Tony, Cal, uh, your mic was muted there. Yeah. Uh, all I said was okay. Cool. Yeah. Um, let's uh, let's hit a, a listener question real fast. Uh, Catherine asked, "Why can they do it the the pile driver if they're tall?" So, uh, Kane and the Undertaker did like a tombstone pile driver, which is where you actually to. land on your knees, um, and so they're absorbing oh, yeah. the impact on their knees, and also they're really tall, so 
the individual's head never can never reaches the mat because of how tall they are. Yeah. Um, so that's the reason. Pile drivers, though, uh, as Dan pointed out, have been banned in many places, not just WWE, because it is an insanely dangerous move. And I do believe that AEW has to stop allowing pile drivers, chair shots to the head, um, real glass, um, and all those other like extreme dangerous things. I think they need to be more careful. You're letting people's bodies be at risk, and it's, it isn't, it's not necessary. The other thing, too, though, I feel like Moxley, Moxley is a guy, though, that will just not listen to any of that. <laughs> Moxley's the kind of guy who, who loves wrestling for wrestling's sake. So, um, like, well, look at him now. That dude has a has a child. He like he has he has a yeah. child and he has a boss. One should motivate you not to fuck up. The other should tell you not yeah. to fuck up. I don't think that was his that was his his, his fault, though. The, the two I'm, I'm not that. saying yeah. fuck up by like make a mistake in the ring. I'm saying fuck up by allowing something like that. It is a fuck to, up to bleed. You cannot bench. allow a pile driver to be done on you, and you you shouldn't you shouldn't want it. It's too it's too risky. Um, I disagree with that, but I think it needs to be done correctly. You disagree with that after he all he could have lost his life last night. Uh, yeah, I don't think a pile driver should be banned. I think it should be done correctly, and I think. Having a small guy do a pile driver to a big man is not correctly. But if it's that dangerous, <laughs> it's been banned. Then they should in know a lot that, of places. Yeah, Mo- Owen Hart was reckless with Stone Cold. It um, shouldn't have happened. I think I, if I, necks are being actually broken, you can cut. I it. think yeah, yeah we, we have need it. a famous incident of it happening, um, and concussions across the board, but. Like like the 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 Bucks can do their finisher, which is a, a pile driver. A Canadian destroyer is a pile driver, and nobody ever gets hurt with those because they're done correctly and usually done with smaller men, um, where you're not the, the 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 chance of their head ever even hitting the floor is not even a, a possibility really. Um, I think it was a mismatch of of wrestlers for them to do this with that. Chill says when a, a move is this feared, you have to keep it. That's I, I would say I would say fans is wrestling yeah. fans tend to prioritize like what they want to see versus the life of the wrestler and the health of the wrestler. And that's a big issue. Like, there's just no reason it doesn't enhance the show. The show was not enhanced for me when I was watching John Moxley freaking looking dead on the ground. I'm tired of seeing wrestlers dead or seriously injured. We don't need it. That's mm. the same reason we don't have chair shots, headshots. I, I mean, Bad Bunny's able to do a, a pile driver, no problem. <laughs> so mistakes yeah, happen, Tyler. Like you cannot say that. You can't say do it correctly. A mistake will happen happens. jumping off a stage. You know what I mean? Like yeah, but breaking your neck is the result of a mistake with a pile driver or a concussion. I don't get the discrepancy. If you break your neck, sure. you can't wrestle anymore. That's yes. not. That shouldn't be. That doesn't need to happen. Well, then ban a lion salt. You know, ban shooting star presses that have broken necks before. You know, I just think the the, the people who are in the match together cool. need to communicate properly and yeah, know what's dangerous and what's cool. not. Cool. Cool. Uh, let's see. Roboter says Moxley was into the deathmatch scene, so you need certain wrestlers and certain, spot, certain spots once in a while to elevate matches, but some moves should be banned. To connect to Marowak 
Oscuro says it should be done in special occasions, just like the Canadian destroyer, which is being overused. I, I do agree. That it sounds it sounds to me like, you know, if this Canadian destroyer is something a pair of people have as like a special move, you know, that they can do and they know and they can communicate and get it done and done safely. Similar to, you know, the Undertaker and, and who was it, Kane? If they can do that, you know, safely, then yeah, make it a once, once in a blue moon thing. But you know, if if it's that dangerous and that uh, that type of mix up can lead to somebody, you know, having a major accident, a concussion isn't a small accident. Like that's no. And if you, uh, I don't, I don't have an image of the, of the GIF of of it slowed down. Uh, that had a potential to – it was essentially somebody's head going straight down and their neck being compacted inwards almost is what it looked like. So um, didn't look oh, good. nuts. Didn't look good. That's nuts. I mean it's like gymnastics, right? Like, sure. But like it's – I do agree that some, some, some of these moves are overused. Like the pile driver is not even a signature move at this point. It's like a – for some people with the suplex, you know what I mean? So, uh, uh, just, just, it's a, it's a punch, you know, it's your, okay. your, it's just an A and B move and not a, a combo move. If we're talking okay. video games. Yeah. Yeah. I got that. Uh, Roboter says not just the pile driver was banned. Certain moves were outright banned for being dangerous for, for instance, high spots like the one Owen fell from was banned from shows. Well, yeah, yeah. Ban- banning moves, banning certain things like that is just it's something that we've seen a lot in wrestling um, because, you know, wrestlers have to be protected. And, yeah, they do have to be protected even from themselves because sometimes they don't know what's best. Um, and that's just that's just kind of the name of the game. Uh, most wrestlers would not want anything banned because they want to go out there and put on the best show that they can. But that's. We've had a lot of wrestling deaths, a lot of injuries and careers ended. I feel like I sound like the commercial they used to give in the 2000s for don't try this at home. <laughs> Why don't they do that anymore? But, um, Probably because no one cares. Yeah, and they figured doing, it out that no one cares. Doing TikTok probably because they, they needed a new generation of wrestlers to come in. <laughs> to quit. Uh... Although I did see the Hardys wrestle last night, and that made me realize, like, oh, thank God I was not doing, like, drops off my, you know, kitchen table because – those guys could barely walk at this point. It's, it's it's rough watching them wrestle right now. I wish they would just. Uh... They probably don't have the money to stop because they did a lot for nothing. They did a they lot did. for a little. They did. Yep. Uh, so thank you, Tyler, for sharing with us your yeah. experience at Grand Slam. And if you're a WWE fan, there's a lot of stuff, a lot of bad stuff happening today. So. Yes, uh, there were a lot of uh, firings. We'll touch on this just real briefly. Okay? Yeah, I was just curious um, what what surprised you, Sean. So I'm gonna rattle off the list real quick. This is this is two hours ago, but this is what I had saved. Um, yeah. I don't know if it's been updated, but Dolph Ziggler, Shelton Benjamin, Elias, Rick Boogs, Aaliyah, Top Dollar, Madcap Moss, Emma, Mustafa Ali, Shanky, Dabakato, Mace, Mansoor, Dana Brooke, and Quincy Elliott. I know those names don't mean anything to a lot of you, but that's over a dozen or around a dozen yeah. names. Um, Sounds were, like quite a few people. 
just fired on the same day that the WWE announced a partnership with the USA Network to bring the SmackDown wrestling show to the USA Network for, drumroll please, $1.4 billion. Yeah. So. (laughs) But uh, 15-year veteran Dolph Ziggler, you're not part of that. Sorry. Yeah. Um, The Ziggler one surprised the hell out of me, dude. I figured that guy would be there until he stopped wrestling. I was surprised by – go ahead. Well, I was, what's the implication of these firings? Like, um, these are names I haven't heard before. Not that I'm, you know, into one, it. But one thing of note too is they, 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 the, the purchase of the WWE by by TKO, which owns UFC and everything, yeah. just kind yeah. of finalized, and they're they've started, you know, press. And I believe that the split is forty nine percent to fifty one percent. So when you have a, a company merger like that, because it was more of a merger than an actual buyout, the company with the lower percentage is usually going to be the one where you see all the cuts in. So they had a lot of corporate cuts in WWE last Friday um, with the understanding that there will be talent cuts eventually as well. And we saw that today. It, it's, it's also just it's also worth pointing out that WWE does talent cuts annually. Um, and they didn't do it yet. So this, I assume the reason that they hadn't done it probably has something to do with the emerging merger yeah. um, and that they would save it until this point. So honestly, the names on here, like Tyler asked me who I'm surprised by, like I'm kind of surprised by uh, Dolph and Shelton, but not really because they are veterans whose days of giving to the to the company in ways that earn them in, in ways that earn the company money are past them. Um, the one that I was surprised by is Mustafa Ali yep. because he is currently booked for a match. He's <laughs> yep. being promoted for a match that's coming next week. Um, and it's a pretty, you know, it's a high-profile match yep. for the sake of NXT anyway. So I'm surprised by that. But everybody else is like, no name. People who don't get TV time, really. Yeah. Uh, I, mean, I mean, it sucks not to see people, you know, lose jobs. And, you know, like like Emma, uh, they just announced uh, a WWE Elimination Chamber is going to be in Australia and where she's from. So she tweets like, oh, my dream come true. 54 minutes later, never mind, I got released. Um, that. Damn. Yeah. Yep. And her husband got released too. So um, I, I think, though, if you still want to wrestle, there is a lot of stuff out there to do. Like you have people like Matt Cardona and, and Steph DeLander who got released by WWE and reinvented themselves on the indies. Um. Completely. Mm-hmm. Um, WWE is not the only game in town. No, not and not even like AEW is. Like you can you can if you want to put the work in, you can still you can make decent money being an independent wrestler these days. But it is it's like it's like independent comics too, where it's like you got to put mm-hmm. the work in, you got to market yourself and your move. You you don't stay at home for more than two days at a time. Mm-hmm. Like it's 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 tough, uh, but it's there. But I, I think like. Like, AEW would be dumb not to pick up Dolph. His brother's there, you know. Um, you could do something with him, I think. I think Dolph still has recognition as a, as a person. Um, honestly, I think, I think that dude could wrestle. I, don't th- I think he's been phoning it in a lot, so maybe this can light a fire under his ass. Um, Sheldon Benjamin would be a great coach, and I think he could still wrestle too. But Mustafa Ali is a phenomenal wrestler, phenomenal promo, who never got a good shake. And I'm excited to see what he can do. 
He also, but from what I read, I think this came out of Fightful. He was not a part of the the overall firings. He, his it seems as though they announced him today, but it was due to something else. Whether that was him requesting his release, which or he has done, some yeah. other factor which we don't know about um they um, also did you mention mason monsoor yes i did okay yeah i think those guys have potential too they got the short end of the stick with the storyline their characters yeah. are horrible oh wow, uh, they're great <laughs> i think they were gonna, horrible characters and did well with it sorry we're gonna get out of here but i did want to say happy birthday to mike marvelous mike okay oh, uh happy birthday to you buddy hope you had a good one Hope uh, Marvelous McKenzie is doing well as well. Um, thank you to everybody who listened. Thank you for sticking around. We appreciate you. If you enjoy the kind of the after bits, let us know. If you like hearing Tyler and I talk wrestling, let us know. Uh, there are plenty of ways that you can support the pals if you enjoy what we do. Patreon.com slash the comics pals is the absolute best way to do that. I will be shouting out the superhero and supervillain nicknames on the main show this Saturday, which is one of the many perks you get from joining our Patreon. If you want to watch this show live, YouTube.com slash the comics pals every Thursday at 6 p.m. Saturdays for the main show. Excuse me. Cool. Saturdays for the main show at 10:15 a.m. 10.15 a.m., we will be joined by Matt Sumo and Pete Collins of the Bardic Verses. Uh, we're going to be talking about their their Kickstarter, um, their book. We're going to also be talking about the uh, the goings-on with the X-Men and all the big announcements that we got uh, here this past week and lots of other stuff, too. Thank you so much for joining us. Until next time, we're the Comics Pal signing off. Take care, guys. See you next week. <laughs>